It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. So I hear Toronto's been a good place to buy a house. Have I heard that correctly? You're not wrong, Dan. Toronto home prices jumped about 25% in the 12 months through March, and that's the the best performing major real estate market in the world. Excellent. Where do I sign up? Not so fast. It looks like the party may actually be coming to an end. Welcome to Benchmark. I'm Chris Fournier, an editor with Bloomberg, and I cover the Canadian economy. And I'm Katya Dimitrieva. I cover the housing market for Bloomberg News, based here in Toronto. Our mission today, explain to my boss, Dan Moss, how and why Toronto's property market got so red-hot in the first place, why it's one of the main Canadian economic drivers, and why it's showing signs of cooling off, finally. And here I was, ready to give up on New York and move north, and you're telling me, stop, wait. Is this why Canada's central bank raised interest rates? That was definitely part of it. The central bank did raise rates this week. It was the first time in seven years. Wow, that really can't be good for Toronto housing. This is a good time to bring in Phil Soper. He's Canada's residential real estate guy, and he's joining us from Toronto. He's the head of Royal Page. It's Canada's largest brokerage, part of Brookfield Real Estate Services. He speaks regularly to many of his firm's 16,000 brokers, so you can kind of say he has his ear to the ground. Hi, Phil. Hi. Great to be here, Katie. Phil, were you glued to the TV watching Central Bank Governor Stephen Polozzo's press conference? How bad was it for you? It was uh, completely expected in economic terms. It might have been the most to do about nothing that I've seen in some time. I I believe some 90% of us uh, serious forecasters in the country had built it into our models already. So we expected it and uh, the governor delivered. From your point of view, Phil, what is the effect going to be on Toronto housing market? Do you see it offering a big slowdown, or is it going to be just a blip? Any increase in the cost of housing is it's going to act as a drag, somewhat of a drag. So people don't buy homes based on their sticker price. We report homes based on their sticker price, uh, the, the asking price or the selling price, but they really they buy them based on monthly payments and an increase in the cost of money bumps that up. We've got to remember we're talking about 25 basis points here uh, off an emergency low monetary policy level of uh, 0.5. So we're really moving off life support into just very, very low uh, interest rates. The other thing, and I may be a bit of a uh, contrarian here, I believe there might be a a silver lining in consumer confidence that uh, people that look at it from a technical standpoint, including my own staff, may not see. 
We have seen forecasts for interest rate bumps in each of the last four years. If you looked at any of the major Canadian banks or ourselves, when we predict what's happening during the year, in each of the last four years, we said, and in the fourth quarter, interest rates will rise, or the second half. People, Canadians, consumers, have been wondering why this anticipated event has not happened. And they have been told that it's because we're teetering on the brink of recession or oil prices are going to take down the Canadian economy or one or another doomsday uh, scenario. And they believe perhaps that the governor of the Bank of Canada has inside knowledge that they don't have. Uh, and it's been weighing on them. And this, this move off as I called them earlier, emergency low interest rates to something just very, very low, I believe for many people will come as a relief. And Phil, you said 25 basis points isn't that much, which in the grand scheme of things, it's not. But what about all the other moves that the government, the regulator, even the province here in Ontario have made recently and conjoined with the increase? Are you concerned that it might slow the market down too much? Well, it's a good question, and you're right. All of these things are additive. But I group the major influences to the Canadian or any real estate market, for that matter, around the world into two two major buckets, and then there's the minor things. The major buckets are affordability and the economy. The minor things are government intervention, the flow of foreign capital into markets. These can can be tweaks to the housing market overall, but they, they can't trump the base affordability question or uh, the strength of the underlying economy and employment figures. Let's take a step back here. Sure. How did Canada get to be so hot? Did Brooklyn just reach over the border or is there something unique going on here? It's a, it is a good question. And, and certainly in 2016 and 17, the rate of home price appreciation in two of our cities, and it has been constrained to Vancouver and Toronto, the rest of the market, we could talk about if you'd like, a very, very different trajectory, has been rising at a rate faster than other major cities in the world. You know, similar rates of increase in Sydney and Melbourne, but, but well above what you'd find in Europe and the United States. Still, though, if you place Toronto and Vancouver on a list of global cities and compare the cost of uh, accommodation, of housing, to incomes, we're in the bottom quartile. So in a way, uh, you know, in, in Toronto, for example, where home prices are the medium home prices, it's just over $800,000 in the latest roll-of-page house price composite. In U.S. dollar terms, that's about $600,000. And it's it's much cheaper than you'd find in, in London, New York, San Francisco, Shanghai, uh, Mumbai. It's relatively affordable housing. And there is a lot to be optimistic about in Canada. We've moved into the first place among the OECD countries in the world, the developed economies, in terms of population growth, inching past uh, Australia. We don't seem to have the same kind of challenges that America is dealing right now uh, on, on a social and immigration basis. And it's a very important part of our economic growth future and and by extension to housing. So there are 
reasons why our two biggest cities have been attractive as, as a place to live. And part of it, particularly in Toronto's case, is in relative terms, it's not that expensive. Now, when you mentioned Toronto, Vancouver, Sydney and Melbourne in one breath, it makes me want to ask about foreign buying. But we're going to come back to that in a second after this break. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Phil, you mentioned Sydney, Melbourne, Vancouver, Toronto. In Sydney and Melbourne, the increase in house prices has been largely attributable to purchases by foreigners, specifically folks of Chinese and Indian descent. It's even become a political issue. Can you talk about that? Is that having any ramifications? On the political front, huge ramifications. In a way, you could even draw some lines between the debate over foreign investment in our housing markets to the defeat of the provincial government in British Columbia. It certainly, the, the way the file was handled didn't, didn't hurt the fact that the government fell. Uh, first time that the Liberal Party in, in that province hasn't occupied uh, the government buildings for, uh, well, 16 years, I think. So very, very much a political issue. In absolute terms, though, as I said earlier, it's, it's, it's a relative minor part of what's mathematically driving the market forward. In both the Vancouver, Greater Vancouver and Greater Toronto markets, the number of transactions attributable to foreign investors falls somewhere around 5%. The concentration gets much higher in certain sub-communities, uh, broad neighborhoods. Uh, for example, in Richmond, British Columbia, before uh, the government made their moves to introduce new uh, taxes on foreign investment in housing, the concentration was 18%, 18% of the transactions. It's not as great an issue in Toronto. The most densely or the highest market share for or for transactions was interestingly enough another richmond richmond hill ontario and there and its na the neighboring uh, community of markham the concentration or market share that went to foreign investors was nine percent or about half the rate that we saw in vancouver so was it a political issue absolutely is it behind the rapid escalation in home prices that we saw in 2015-16 in Vancouver or 16-17 in Toronto, I think it's only part of the question and a small part. We've had groups including the IMF and the World Bank, the OECD, I believe also, and even our own Bank of Canada here saying that the, uh, you know, the escalation in home prices in markets like Toronto and Vancouver represents a real risk to financial stability. Um, do you agree with that assessment? I do, actually. And, and if we went back uh, to the first quarter in a conversation I had with Katia, I, re I, I referred to the Toronto market as the least healthy market in Canada. Remember, Vancouver has already been in a market correction for a full year now. So it's, while not old news, it's, it's certainly 2016 news. But Toronto in the first half of the year, home prices were 
irrational. There was no underlying link to economic fundamentals, and in particular, the rise in in population and uh, incomes. So the the fact that we are now uh, on uh, well, it's underway. We have a correction underway in Toronto, and that there is these other elements that we've talked about on the call: a bump in the cost of money. Um, uh, taxes on foreign investments and and stricter regulations around getting mortgage insurance. These things will all help a market that was unhealthy. And I believe if 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 you look at our forecast for the full year 2017, you'll see a significant drop in the uh, rate of appreciation by year end. And Koch is just dying to ask a question about Warren Buffett. I am. Thank you. Um, what does Warren Buffett see in Canada? What makes him so confident, you think, Phil, that he invested in Home Capital Group, which is uh, was once Canada's largest alternative lender? Demographically, the fastest growing advanced economy in the world. So we're going to have more people that can buy homes. We have a very stable financial system with, with uh, very low... Uh, default rate on mortgages lower than they were before the financial crisis. Uh, the the amount of equity Canadians have in their homes is uh, at an all time high at around seventy five percent on average. There's a lot to like about Canada and by extension the Canadian housing market. So I'm trying to decide, Phil, as I listen to you, whether I've missed out or not. In other words, if we're talking about it on this show and it's making national headlines. Has the trend already happened? If I was looking for a city to invest in for capital appreciation right now in the country of Canada, it wouldn't be Toronto. The reason that so many people are buying homes in Toronto is because it's where people are moving to work. It is on an economic upswing of... uh, well, uh, really quite amazing proportions, and it's spreading to other cities in southern Ontario, our largest province. So they're buying homes because they need a place to live. As an investor, the two best cities to throw your money on the table in hope for medium-term gains would be Montreal and Calgary. Both have just begun an expansionary cycle, and they're dramatically more affordable than Vancouver or uh, Toronto. Half the uh, Montreal and Calgary prices are half what they are in uh, uh, Toronto, and Calgary was recently ranked the fifth most livable city in the world. Toronto fourth, uh, Vancouver third. So these Calgary is a, a great deal, in, and we're seeing twice the price appreciation we had last year. So this is a bounce back from the, the most recent oil crisis. Doesn't sound like I can afford to be your next-door neighbour anytime soon, Phil. <laughs> but we appreciate you joining us. So I'm still trying to figure out, have I missed out, or can I still get in? No, I mean, I think if anything from this conversation, we've learned that you could still have a shot. We've got interest rates going up. We've got regulations coming into force. It means that a lot of people are waiting on the sidelines to see what happens next. Prices are uh, cooling off, so it could be a good chance for you to jump in. 
And what about you, Chris? How about a domestic move? The Bank of Canada's decision this week to lift interest rates uh, is, is a positive sign that the Canadian economy is, is really uh, doing well. And it's something that we've been seeing in data from, you know, from the jobs reports and, uh, and GDP reports. And so the bank move um, is kind of the, the last piece of that development. And the bank was very clear today about the fact that, yes, the higher interest rates may make it more difficult for some for some people who are trying to buy a home, but at the same time, it's a reflection of the fact that the economy is doing better. So it, it's kind of balanced out by the by the fact that you know, you'll have stronger jobs growth and people will be able to afford theoretically the higher rates. And I'm still trying to figure out what this means for the United States and the rest of the world. I find myself wondering, given interest rates are still, relatively speaking, quite close to historical lows, stocks are, relatively speaking close to historical highs, maybe there's just this global chase for yield and asset appreciation, and maybe that's all this is. That means we're probably going to see a lot more foreign investors in Canada, and particularly in Vancouver and Toronto. Benchmark will be back next week, and until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, our Bloomberg app, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, and Stitcher. While you're there, take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And do let us know what you thought of the show, even if you can't afford Toronto anymore. You can follow me on Twitter at Moss underscore Eco, Chris at Fournier Wire, Katja at Katia DMI. And our guest Phil is at Phil Silper on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. Benchmark is produced by Sarah Patterson. Head of Bloomberg Podcast is Alec McCabe. Drumroll just came back from his honeymoon in the great nation of Canada. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And I'm going to talk real estate with Alec. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, The promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, Top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.